Welcome to Onside, the official podcast from the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority. Our mission is to protect the health of athletes and the integrity of Australian sport. Hello, I'm Tim Gavel. In this podcast, we'll go behind the scenes at ASADA and others and meet people associated with clean, fair sport. We'll also be answering questions from the public and educate you about anti-doping. And today, our special guest is ASADA's Director of Sports Operations and Engagement, Emma Johnson. Emma, as a 16-year-old, was the youngest member of the Australian swimming team at the 1996 Atlanta Olympic Games. Emma won bronze in the 4x200 relay and finished fifth in the final of the 400 IM. Emma completed a Bachelor of Law and a Bachelor of Psychology at the ANU. And Emma joins us this morning. Hello, Emma. Hi, Tim. How are you? Good, thanks. Brings back memories, no doubt. Yeah, it sure does. Yes. Um, I, I guess as a 16-year-old, firstly competing at the Olympic Games, it must have been quite surreal. It was. Um, as a 16-year-old, uh, going to the Olympics is something I'd been wanting to do since I was very young. I remember watching the Los Angeles Olympics when I was really young, four years old, and thinking, oh, that would be a great thing to do one day. Um, and then to get there at 16 was was earlier than I expected. It was a bit of a surprise. I'd sort of been aiming to get to the Sydney Olympics in 2000. So um, getting there in 96 was, was really um, quite an amazing um, experience for me. Smith peering away from them. Wagner looking at the silver. Egnizeki trying, fighting for the bronze. Coming on strongly as Johnson. She'll get fifth. They go in though and a wonderful performance. Yes, sir. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty close there um, towards getting a medal in the 400 IM, but just edged out at the end. Yeah, so that was my um, – the 400 IM was on the first day of the Olympics and I um, remember walking out for my heat swim in the morning and just being absolutely terrified and um, walking out there and I was lucky enough to have my parents in the crowd and, and found them, looked at them and thought, okay, I'm all right. So jumped in, um, swam – probably too fast in the heat and ended up swimming in lane five. So fast, second fastest qualifier for the final. Um, and then from there on, to be honest, the rest of the day is a bit of a blur. But to finish fifth um, in my um, first event on the first day was um, was pretty surprising and, and, and pretty satisfying. And then later in the meet... Emma's moved to third place. The baby of the team is looking terrific. Oh, fantastic split by Emma Johnson. She's gone 201 which was just outstanding. And Susie O'Neill, there's no way anyone's going to swim past for the bronze here. Yes, uh, on the podium with the bronze medal. Absolutely. Uh, that was um, definitely beyond my my plans or what I thought I, I would achieve at that Olympics. And um, I didn't even know I was going to be part of that relay team until we were actually there. And um, I remember a coach saying, you know, we, we want you to be part of the relay team. Are you going to do it? And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I'm up for this. But um, doing it was swimming in that relay team with people like Nicole Livingston and, and Susie O'Neill and um, Julia Greville and to come home with the bronze medal was was amazing um, and one of the one of the highlights of my career definitely in my life. Well, your experience in sport and studies throughout your working life as well uh, fit perfectly with your role now at ASADA, don't they? Yeah, and um, ASADA's always somewhere that I'd sort of kept my eye on and thought that at one day my, my career could end up here and I, I like the alignment of my work experience studies and interest in sport um, and my role here um, is very much um, around engaging with sports, how, how can we better engage athletes 
as well as um, planning and conducting all of our testing missions. What is your role? Do you liaise directly with the sports? How do do you operate on a daily basis? Um, So my role sort of has, I have three kind of distinct functions, I guess, that that work in my team. Um, The, one of the functions is our field operations area. So they're the people that are based all around Australia that actually conduct um, the sort of around 5,000 tests that we do every year. Um, So we manage a field of uh, about 200 casual staff who conduct that work for us. Um, the other part of the team is the team of people, our sports operations officers, who actually plan all of that testing. So they have a portfolio of sports that they're responsible for and those people liaise directly with operational people at, at sports to plan missions. Um, and then the other part of my team is the sports engagement team. So what, what I try and do in that space is coordinate ASADA's engagement with, with sports um, and find out... The best, the best way for us to engage with sports and the best way we can use ASADA's resources across education, intelligence and testing and partnerships to address the risks where they exist in each sport. What's the reaction when you ring up from ASADA to contact sports? Um, it depends. So, so I mean, some sports have had a lot to do with ASADA um, over time and the relationships are quite mature and they're quite... Um, happy to hear from us. It sometimes depends on the nature of the phone call, of course. We're not, not always calling with good news, but um, I think the the key is that over time and definitely in the past couple of years, ASAD has put a lot of energy into building those relationships with sports and athletes and trying to tailor our work so that um, we're working with sports rather than against them um, to try and try and reduce the risks of, well, risks of doping um, so that and sports are generally fairly on site with that approach now, so it's it's a bit less less stick and more um, more partnerships and more cooperation. We've heard some highlights of your swimming career. Were, were you aware of drug use amongst athletes coming through as a sixteen year old in nineteen ninety six? Not not directly, but I was the ninety six Olympics. Um, some people might remember is the Olympics where um, Michelle Smith, the Irish swimmer, won. Um, a lot of events and she won um, most of the events that I, I swam in there as well. And there was some, um, I guess, suspicion around her at the time. And um, while she was later, a few years later, found found the subject of an ADRV and banned from the sport, at the time she was she was effectively clean, uh, for, for want of a better term, but there was definitely some suspicion around that. How did you feel about it at the time? Um I remember feeling disappointed actually um, and um, sort of it wasn't something in my in my scope or worldview or um, that I'd been directly aware of but to find out that that's something that people people did um, to kind of take a shortcut was um, pretty disappointing and um, when those people do better than you um, it can be quite frustrating. Does that drive you a, a little in your current role? Yeah, it does. It's definitely something since... Um, coming back and working in sport in the last year or so, um, it's been more um, prevalent in my mind. I think what what actually has happened over time, I used to be quite um, black and white about about the, this process, but um, probably a bit more able to see the grey now, which is some of the work we try and do here, which is to understand what drives people to make the decisions they make, why people might decide to take a shortcut um, or why they might do something they're not aware is the is actually the wrong thing to do. Do you think that, that sports relate to you because you have been involved in sport at an elite level? You've been to the Olympic Games. Do you, do you find that once they find out your backstory that they're more receptive? 
Um, that's hard to say, actually. I, I, um, I don't generally lead with it and so um, it's not something I put out there, but I think it, it helps in some way to um, be able to relate a little bit to what athletes are going through, um, even though times are quite different now. Um, so I think, I think it probably it plays a small role in, in the work. You mentioned they're relating to sports. Obviously, the athlete engagement group, um, whereby athletes advising ASADA, and you've also got athlete educators, so really embracing sports and athletes. Yeah, so that's been one of the um, real real drivers of, of ASADA in the last um, two years or so is to engage with athletes more. So one of the things we've done is set up ASADA's athlete advisory group, which is currently um, eight athletes who current and former athletes who we meeting we meet with on a quarterly basis and we get their advice on some um, real issues. So we'll get their we'll run education programs past them, we'll ask them specific questions to get their input to so that we can really tailor our work to what athletes need and want and to help them and work work with them better. The times are changing, aren't they? Um, and it you know obviously you've got to be aware of what what happens worldwide, not just within Australia, but you've Got to be on your toes all the time, haven't you? Oh, definitely. And I think um, you know, Asada's Asada's science team is is excellent, and um, the partnerships that Asada has with international um, other NADOs as well as international organisations really helps in that. Yes, and just as a final question, the relationship with sport, and you mentioned it a moment ago, and when you go out and test athletes, you don't want them to be hostile towards you. So part of it is engaging in the first place, and then hopefully, hopefully. A, you know, sort of more receptive response uh, when you go and test an athlete. Definitely, and that's um, that's part of our our intended approach is to um, have our field staff who are out there. You know, as I said, sort of five thousand times a year. Um, that's a that's a lot of time and face time and time spent sometimes sitting with athletes for a long time while they're waiting to pass a sample. Um, and that's where we have a real opportunity to to work with people and. Um, you know, leave a positive impression because what we are trying to do here is is work with athletes and sport to to promote and achieve clean fair sport. Thank you for joining us on Onside, Emma. Thanks, Tim. Today our guest on Onside has been Asada's Director of Sports Operations and Engagement, Emma Johnson. This is Onside, the official podcast of Asada. Time now for the segment that addresses questions that have been raised by the public. It's called So I Was Wondering. And the first one is, what is a TUE? Here's Lindell Larkham from the Asada Media Team. TUE stands for Therapeutic Use Exemption. It's an exemption that allows an athlete to use, for therapeutic purposes only, an otherwise prohibited substance or method. A TUE protects athletes from receiving a sanction if that substance is found in their sample. A TUE may be granted for the following reasons. If the athlete would experience a significant impairment to health if the substance was withheld. If there was no unfair advantage given to the athlete by taking the substance or using the method. If there is no reasonable therapeutic alternative and if the necessity for the use of the prohibited substance or method is not a consequence of the prior use of a prohibited substance or method. TUEs are administered by the Australian Sports Drug Medical Advisory Committee, who are independent from ASADA. 
An example of an athlete who needs a TUE is an athlete who is a diabetic and needs to take insulin. Insulin is prohibited both in and out of competition. However, as the athlete needs to take insulin to stay healthy, a TUE can be granted to allow them to take it. If an athlete's doctor has a question regarding the status of a substance, they should check the substance on Global Drone, the Asada Clean Sport app, or call 1300 027 232 while the athlete is in their office. Time now for a fast fact. There are 10 anti-doping rules violations under the World Anti-Doping Code. Only one of these violations requires a positive test to establish an ADRV was committed. Athlete support personnel such as coaches, doctors and even family are also subject to ADRVs with five of the ten possible ADRVs also relating to support personnel. While anything found in an athlete's body is the athlete's responsibility, support personnel can also commit ADRVs and receive sanctions which prevent them from being involved in sport or with athletes. You've been listening to Onside, the official podcast of the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority. Send in your podcast questions or suggestions to executiveoffice at asada.gov.au. For more information about clean, fair sport, visit our website, asada.gov.au, or check out our clean sport app.